peace and grace from God the Father and our Lord Savior Jesus Christ be to you all this morning. If you have a copy of God's Word, we'll continue to look at Lamentations chapter 3. This morning we'll be looking at Lamentations chapter 3, verses 39. We'll be speaking on the topic, return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. This is a a plea and a plan for the people of God uh, and how they are to return to the Lord, turning from their sin, looking to him as their only hope. And this will be part one of this study, return to the Lord. So Lamentations chapter three, verses 39 through 54. Here the reading of God's word. Why should a man, why should a living man complain, a man about the punishment of his sins? Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled and you have not forgiven. You have wrapped yourself with anger and pursued us, killing without pity. You have wrapped yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can pass through. You have made us scum and garbage among the peoples. All our enemies opened their mouths against us. Panic and pitfall have come upon us. Devastation and destruction. My eyes flow with rivers of tears because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. My eyes will flow without ceasing, without respite, until the Lord from heaven looks down and sees. My eyes cause me grief at the fate of all the daughters of my city. I have been hunted like a bird by those who were my enemies without cause. They flung me alive into the pit and cast stones at me. Water closed over my head. I said, I am lost. This is God's word. We'll be looking at quite a number of scriptures here this morning. But uh, there is something here, I think, that that we can benefit from because there are times in our lives where we kind of stray from the path of walking in obedience to to God and to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, particularly when we encounter difficult times in life. In, In difficult times in life, it can be easy. It can be easy for us to to think that the best course of action would be to turn from the Lord to stop coming to church, to stop fellowshipping with his people. That it, 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 in the darkest times of our lives, God still calls us to obey him, uh, to, to obey him. And, and, to, and we can, beloved, we can be obedient to him. And, and, and we've been learning in Lamentations that the people of God are experiencing a terrible situation for for them as a nation 
And yet, Jeremiah comes in this passage. He doesn't say anything about their circumstances. He doesn't say God is going to make things better for you. What he says to them, return to the Lord, basically is what he says. Come to the Lord. Why? Because when you have the Lord, you have everything that you need. Even if you're suffering, even if you're struggling in life, turn to him. And we've seen Jeremiah talk about his struggles, haven't we? In verses 1 through 20, Jeremiah has been honest about the pain and the suffering that he's been going through, that he has experienced because of the judgment of God upon the people of God. Jeremiah just laid that out and, and was 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 honest and, and helping the people to understand that return to the Lord starts with just being honest, being honest with, with, with how you feel about how you see the circumstances that you're in. But Jeremiah didn't stay there in verses uh, 21 through 24. Jeremiah, we saw that he renewed his hope. He renewed his hope because he remembered something. He remembered something about God. He remembered that God was faithful, that his mercy will endure, even as he chastens his people. Look, look at it. would be good for us to to remind ourselves of, of what what brought Jeremiah hope here this morning. Look back at verse number 21. Jeremiah says, but he, he has laid out. He has he has listed uh, the, the way that that he uh, was viewing his circumstances. And he said that he almost lost hope. But look at verse 21. He says, but this I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. What? That his circumstances changed? No. He turned. He said, what, what, what was it that brought him hope? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And he goes on, he, he gives uh, in, in verses uh, in verses 20, 27 and uh, 20, 27 through uh, 38. He, he goes and 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 now because he sees God as as his only hope, the only source of hope. Now he sees that there is a good purpose in where in the situation that he's in. Remember that that he. In verse number 20, 28, he said, it is good. Remember verses 26, uh, verses 25 through 27. Remember that in the Hebrew, those verses start with good. Because of what he understood about God and his faithfulness, that it never ends, that his mercy never ends. Therefore, it is good. It is good that he says, in verse uh, number 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a, a man that he bear the yoke of his of his youth. D Jeremiah, with the, the 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 right doctrine, came to the right conclusion about his circumstances that that God's faithfulness never ends. Therefore, I am in a good place. I'm in a good place. So he refocused on the, the good purpose of God in his trials. 
And then he goes and, 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 and builds upon the idea that God's purpose in, in, in what he's going through is good because God is sovereign. Because there is nothing that comes in our lives that does not come from the sovereign hand of God. That brought him him comfort in verses 28 through 38. He, he lays he lays that out. Look at verse number 38. He says, is it not from the mouth of the most high that good and bad come? And, and bad here is 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 not saying that God does bad to us. God allows bad things to happen to us. For our good. And he is still in sovereign control over those things. So Jeremiah, he's not appealing that the circumstances change, but that they will return to God. That's that's what Jeremiah's appeal is going to be in this in this section of scripture, that that they return to the Lord, that that they they that they have a change in their attitude uh, toward him and his sovereign purposes in their suffering, knowing that God always have a just purpose in what he brings into our lives. God always have a just purpose for what he brings into our lives. That may be hard if you're struggling uh, and suffering in life, but understand that God's purpose for you, whether he's chastening you for, for sin or whether he is sending you through a season of suffering, that there is a good and just purpose for God doing that. Amen. So Jeremiah now brings us to the point to where now, how is it that we have this, these, these, this doctrinal understanding about God's sovereignty, God's mercifulness, and his faithfulness to us, what now, what are we to do? What are the people to do? Look at verse number 39. He he starts out and he instructs the people that they must resist the temptation to complain. This is point number one on the outline. Resist complaining. I mean, uh, the, the, the temple is in is is destroyed it's in ruins jerusalem is destroyed and it's destroyed because of the sins of Jude. and jeremiah says in verse 39 why should a living man complain a living man is a person who is alive it is a it is a a, a person who is alive and not dead why should a living person why should a living man complain some people have survived. And we've been reading about how those who have survived or are, are, they they are they're they're starving. They're, some of the even some of the, the, the mothers are uh, are desiring to eat their children. It, it it is a it is a terrible situation. And Jeremiah he he instructs the people to not complain. Do you, I mean, you get, we've been painting the picture. I mean, this is what they're going through. I mean, it's unimaginable for us to, to, 
to 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 think that we would be in their position or something like that. Just think about what they're going through. And Jeremiah looks at them and say, why should a living man complain? We all deserve death. We all have sinned and, and we deserve death. There were some people, the people that had survived and were struggling, they were sinners still. They were still sinners. They, the people that had died, that had died at the, at the hands of the Babylonians were sinners. The people that had survived the, uh, and were in captivity and going into captivity, captivity, they were sinners too. And they deserved death. And they had no right to complain about their circumstances before a holy God. If they grumbled and they complained about their circumstances, showed that they were blind to the truth that God, even as they were suffering, was being good to them. They were alive. They were living. The old folks back where I grew up from, they would always, you ask them how they doing, and they would say, I'm doing good because I'm on this side. <laughs> they saying, because I'm living. It doesn't matter. It didn't matter. It doesn't matter what they're going through because I'm living all is well. It is good. So Jeremiah says, why should a living man complain? He, he adds a man about the punishment of his sins. For the, the people of Israel, it was their own sins. The people of Judah, it was their own sins that brought upon them this suffering that they're experiencing. And, and, and uh, any sinful man, a sinful man has no right to complain about the consequences of his sin. Because Romans 6 and 23 says this, the wages of sin, what is it? Death. The wages of sin is 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 death. And, 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 and we die physically because of the, the spiritual reality of sin in our lives. But praise God for Christ. <laughs> Christ has overcome death for us. But if you are in your sin and you're complaining, meaning that you're not in Christ and you're complaining, you have no right to complain because even at this moment, God would be right if he took your life. Romans 2 and 4 says, do you presume on the, the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience, knowing that the goodness that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? God in his his goodness and his kindness and his forbearance and his patience is allowing you to wake up every morning so that you can look and say God is good to me and repent of your sins that that is the the greatest need for for all of those who are not in Christ to recognize that you do not deserve the life that you're living. <laughs> Repent. Repent of your sin. Come to Christ. 
But even for us who are believers here today in, in Christ, we, we complain. We're, we're not a, a, immune to complaining. This is why Paul commanded in Philippians 2 and 14. Listen to what he says. Do all things. Wait a minute. He didn't say some things. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Because as believers, for us who are in Christ, if, if we're complaining, that means that we're not taking the truth of Romans 8.28 seriously. If we're complaining as believers, if we're griping uh, to God as believers about the circumstances and the situations and the events that he is bringing into our life, that means we are, in a sense, have blinded ourselves to the to the truth of Romans 8 and 28. And I want to ask you, as a believer, if this fits you, at what time in your life Romans 8.28 is not true? Or I should say, at what time in your life is it true? Is it in the good times? Is it only when things are going well that, that Romans 8 and 28 is true? You say, preacher, what is Romans 8.28? Let me read it for you as you ponder the question. At what time does Romans 8 and 28 cease to be true? This is what it says. And we know that for those who love God, here again, listen to this all comprehensive statement. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Again, I ask you, at what time in our lives that Romans 8 and 28 is not true? When Paul here says that all things, what do you mean by all things? Everything. Every single thing that comes into your life that God allows you to have the opportunity to go through, all of those things work together for your good. Whether they're good circumstances, whether you would consider them good circumstances or whether you consider them bad circumstances, whatever it is, it is working together for good. So, we have no right to complain even as believers. When we're suffering, when God is sending us through circumstances that we don't like. So as Jeremiah was admonishing these, the, the people of Israel, let us too not waste the grief that we're in on complaining about what we're going through. Whatever God allows, there's a purpose. There's a good purpose. There's a good purpose for it. It may not feel good, but there's a good purpose for it. And according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, we have, even in the midst of, of, of our circumstances, we have everything that we need. We, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, by God's 
divine power he has granted to us. Uh, listen to this, this statement again, all inclusive by his divine power. God has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness in Christ. We have all the spiritual blessings that, of grace that we need in Christ to live in the midst of our circumstances, no matter what they are. And there's a and there and because of that, there the end goal for God in our lives is our good. We saw that in the Old Testament when King Uzziah died. It was a tragedy for the nation of Israel. It, it was a tragedy. But Isaiah saw the king. When, the, when, when King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the, the true king, the king of heaven. Job, when, when he was suffering and he lost all that he had, but there was a good end because Job, at the end, he encountered God and came to know the, the sovereignty of God, the greatness of God, and the majesty of God in a way that he had never known before. His circumstances didn't change. Their perspective of God changed. They were able to see God in a way that they hadn't seen him before. So, beloved, we must abstain from the temptation to complain and be open to the Holy Spirit to bring to our heart and our mind the truth about God, his character, and his promises. And we see this illustrated with Jeremiah. Don't complain. He, had, he has just rehearsed the truth about God and his character because of that hope in God. So he says, don't complain. Look at verse number 40. Repent of sinful living. This is the most important thing. It's not deliverance from our circumstances, but living a, a life that is right before God. Verse number 40 said, let us test and examine our ways. That we must have an honest self-examination of, of uh, of our hearts. And this is what Jeremiah is calling for the people to, to honestly evaluate their hearts and see how far it is that they have, have uh, walked away from holy God. This word test, he says, let us test. Jeremiah includes himself in this. Test means to inquire into. To examine is, 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 to, is, a, is comprehensive. It's to, to, to have a, a comprehensive search a detailed search to discover what 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 my what their eyes may not see what, what at that moment what is what may be hidden from them by their deceptive hearts. Remember Jeremiah said in Jeremiah seventeen and nine that the heart that the heart is deceitful, it's wicked, and 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 so Jeremiah is calling the people to test and evaluate to search themselves to examine themselves to 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 be serious in this and, and to see how far it is that they have moved away from God. They're, they're to search and to test their lives carefully. Because Jeremiah recognizes if, if God is going to move uh, upon them with mercy, they must examine their lives 
first. The old pastor used to say it like this. God ain't going to bless a mess. God doesn't bless. You probably heard me say that before. God will not bless a mess. If you're living in sin and you you think that God is going to pour out the, the, the riches of his blessings upon you and you still live in sin. If he does, it's because he wants you to repent. He, he wants you to fall on your face. So Jeremiah recognized that an intense self-examination of the, as a nation was needed before they could return to God. And so Jeremiah adds, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. This is, this is the, 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 the God of Israel. After truly testing and examining themselves, according to what? What is the standard? What Jeremiah has already said to them. What they understand about the promises that God has made to the, to the people of Israel and the requirements that God demanded of the people of Israel. They're to search their lives and see if their lives match up with what God requires of them. What God has already revealed to them as the people of God. Isaiah 55 verse 7 says, let the wicked forsake his way and the righteous and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. Why? That he may have compassion on him to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And this is the, the one necessary thing that not only those who are unbelievers need to do, we even as believers need to examine ourselves. As a matter of fact, when we observe the Lord's Supper, one of the requirements is that you examine yourself. That, 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 that you look into your heart and you honestly evaluate, am I walking in a way that honors the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I walking in a way that is worthy of the gospel, that is worthy of, of the sacrifice that he has made for me? It's easy for us to point to somebody else when we're going through and saying, oh, it's because of this person rather than examining our own hearts and seeing whether or not the issue may be with you. <laughs> so Jeremiah calls for an examination. This is, this is the process of repentance. It, it starts with a test and examination of our ways before a holy God. And, and it also includes not just a test and examination of our ways. Jeremiah adds, let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven. God desires that we offer ourselves to him. And for these individuals who Jeremiah is writing to, they have received God's mercy. And, and because of that, they're to, to recognize that God is being merciful to him and to them, and, and they're to return with a contrite and broken heart. 
That, God desires that that his people offer themselves to him. Notice that. Notice the combination. It says, let us lift up our hearts and our hands. Returning to the Lord requires both. If we just come to the Lord with our heart, with just our emotions, our affections, and we don't, there's no action of obedience, then uh, that's not, that's not real repentance. Or if we return with just our hands, our doing, and our heart is not in it, that ain't good neither. That, that, that's not what God, requ what God requires of us is a total and complete submission of all that we are to all that he is. And that's what's representing him. Let, he says, let us lift our hands and our hearts to God in heaven. When if the people uh, uh, turn, examine their ways, if they 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 see that uh, they their need to to go and return to God, what does that mean? What does that mean if 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 that if they do this? That means that God has done a work in their heart. Deuteronomy thirty and six says this, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Who will bring this about? If they search their hearts, they turn to God, they lift their hearts and hands to heaven. Is, is, is this, this something that they have done in and of themselves? No, it's God. It's God who has, God has done a work in them. And because of what God has done, Ezekiel 26, uh, 36 verses uh, 26 through 27 says this. God says that he will take out the stony heart and place in them a heart of flesh. Why? So that they will obey God. So at any point, the people of God turn and obey God and repent. It's because God has done a work in them. For you and I who have come to Christ, who have turned uh, from our sin and turned to Christ, God has done a work of regeneration in our hearts before we came to God regenerated you. He made you. He, he gave you a new heart and that new heart enabled you to come to faith in Jesus Christ. God says in Ezekiel 36 verse 27, God said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit. <laughs> That's the blood. God will take out the stony heart, make, give us a new heart that is sensitive to God. And not only that, he will give us his holiness. He says, I will put my spirit within you and call and cause you. Hallelujah. That God has given us his Holy Spirit that causes us to walk in his any obedience that you and I do that God looks down upon favorably is not because of us. It's because of what God has done for us. He has given us his Holy Spirit who enables us 
to to he brings to our mind the truth of the word of God. And as he does that, when we obey the word of God, when the Holy Spirit brings it to our mind, he enables us to obey. God gets the glory in that. He has given us his spirit that enables us to walk in his way. So if the people examine their ways, test their ways, and if they turn and they lift their hearts and hand to God in heaven, it's because God has done a work in them. So they must lift him. They must lift their hands and hearts, which is representation of all that he is, to the God of heaven, to the God in heaven. Remember, their big their issue was that they serve idols. So there too, there's a Jeremiah is calling for them to turn away from uh, and to put away that heart that went out to idols and turn and, and to turn and, and embrace with all their affection to God in heaven. They must approach him with the reverence that is that is due to him because he is God. He is exalted in the heavens. And remember. Uh, in Jeremiah chapter two, this was this is not what they were doing. Jeremiah chapter two, verses 12 and 13 says, and, and, and this is what God says of, of his people who had turned away from him. It says, be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. Verse 13, for my people have com- God called it evil for the people to turn away from him. They have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn for themselves broken systems that can hold no water. They had turned away from God to, 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 to the idols, to the nations, and they looked for the idols and the nations to provide that which only God could provide for them, and it, and it did not. And so now they're to turn to God in heaven, turn away, put away all the idols, turn away from all the idols and turn to God. And they're to repent, they're to confess. This is uh, the last uh, component of repentance. Look at verse 42. We have transgressed and rebelled. and, and, And this, no doubt, is the result of the examination of the test of their heart. Because God knew that they had God said that uh, that if they rebel, what would happen? And here it is there to admit that we have transgressed, that we have rebelled. That we have offended. Our covenant God. Second Chronicles 714 says this. If my people who are called by my name, humble themselves, this is what Jeremiah is talking about. They call by my name, humble themselves and pray, lifting up their hands and, and their hearts and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then, <laughs> then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal the land. Well, Jeremiah wants them to understand this hasn't taken place yet. Look what he says. We have transgressed and rebelled and you have not forgiven. God hasn't forgiven his people yet. Why? Because they have not they have not confessed their sins. Jeremiah is writing this as a template for them. But they have not been forgiven yet because they're 
they still have unconfessed sins. And, and because of that, this is the last point, we must resist complaining, we must repent of sinful living before God, and we must realize that there is consequences to sinful behavior. And this is what's, what is, follows in verses 43 through 54. There's a, they're, uh, they're, they're alienated, the people are alienated, and this is, uh, notice that uh, Jeremiah says that you have wrapped yourself. Who, who is he referring to? He's referring to God. You have wrapped yourself with anger and pursued us, killing us, killing without pity. They're alienated from God. You have, verse 44, you have wrapped yourself in a, with a cloud so that no prayer can pass through. Not only are they alienated from God, God is, God, as, as if, if they don't confess their sins, their prayers will be hindered. He says, you have wrapped yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can pass through. Verse 45, they no longer enjoy the favor of God. You have made us scum and garbage among the people. Not only have God rejected them, others around them are rejecting them. Other people are rejecting them. And, 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 and even their enemies are mocking them. Verse 46, all our enemies open their mouths against us. And verse 47, panic and pitfall have come upon us. Devastation and destruction. These are all the, the consequences of their sin. That Jeremiah is, is, is calling for them. This is why Jeremiah is calling them to repent. And, and Jeremiah, he, he inserts in this just his, we see, this is why, Jer, this, is why I don't, this, this is why I don't mind crying before y'all. Because Jeremiah cried. All the, Jeremiah was, a, was we, we would say, the weeping prophet. Verse 48, look what Jeremiah said. My eyes flow with rivers. I don't mind crying. Jeremiah said, my eyes flow with rivers before the destruction of the daughter of my people. Jeremiah is broken, and, and, and because he realizes the state of the people, he, he, is, he is continually weeping in sorrow because of, of all that is happening uh, to the people of God. Verse 49, my eyes will flow without ceasing, without respite. He's crying and crying, crying without ceasing. Verse 50, how long is he going to cry? Until the Lord from heaven look down and sees. This, 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 this speaks to the, the pastoral heart of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, notice at no point does Jeremiah sit back and condemn the people for what they have done. What Jeremiah is doing is walking with them. Even though they have sinned, Jeremiah is coming alongside them. In a sense, he's he's putting his arm around them and walking them and saying, look, you need to turn around. You need to come back to God. You need, you need, to, you need to come back to him. And he's doing it with, with tears. 
with tears in his eyes. I mean, just imagine if you were the people of God reading these laments of Jeremiah, the prophet of God, the, the one that God has sent to them. He's crying and he is giving them instruction on how to come back to God. In verse 51, my eyes caused me, he is crying so much. He said that his eyes, my eyes caused me grief at the fate of all the daughters of my city. He, he is weeping and, and his weeping is causing his soul to be in agony. In verse 52, he says, I have been hunted. Now he goes back to, to him personally in his ministry to, to the people of Israel. He, he says, I have been hunted like a bird by those who were my enemies without cause. Verse 53, they have flung me alive into the pit and cast stones on me. 54, verse 54, water closed over my head. I said, I am lost. Jeremiah has had experiences himself where he wanted to give up and yet he is helping the people. This is the kind of mindset that we're, to, we're going through to one another's on Wednesday night. Jeremiah is one another. He, he, is, he is this. If, if you want to know, you want to see an Old Testament example of what the one another look like, we see it right here in scripture, in Lamentation. Jeremiah is one another. He, he, uh, and, he and, 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 and he's involved in this personally. Matthew Henry remarks on uh, verse 54, he says, the distress of God's people uh, has prevailed uh, to over him in such a way that he, that, that he cannot find footing for his faith. He, he, he is struggling with what he is uh, seeing take place among the people of God. Jeremiah is not disconnected. He is not cold. He is walking with the people and he is, he is laying out even what is going on in his own heart. He's being transparent. And again, this is this 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 is an example for for us, uh, specifically for the men of God, but in a broader sense for all of us, for all the people of God. How we're to help one another who are struggling? For we're to help people who are in sin. We're to come come alongside them and 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 say, "You need to repent, brother. You need to repent, sister." And and and, and and use our own lives as an example of what it looks like to, to turn back to God. But as I close, if you are unbelieving and you haven't repented of your sins and you haven't trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I urge you to do so today. If, if, if you have not come to Christ as Savior and Lord, the God of heaven 
is having mercy by giving you life even now. If you have breath in your body, you woke up this morning, you're walking around or, or, or whatever. If you have, if you have, if you're not even, if you got life in your body and you're an unbeliever, God is being merciful to you. He is being kind to you. He is being patient to you. And he is doing that so that you can repent. But if you're a believer here today, God desires something of you. He desires that you love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And, in, and when you do this, you're to recognize your own sin and call it what it is. Sin. Don't look to anybody else. Don't look and say, if they had done this or, or if, they're, if, if, if they haven't done that, you look to your own life and call sin what it is, sin. Because when you stand before a holy God, God is not offering, God is not going to allow you to offer excuses. And praise God that in Christ, it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You are free. You are free to live repentant lives. You are free to be honest and transparent with God when you sin. Second Corinthians 5, 17 that says that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. A -a Acknowledge that this, uh, when sin comes into your life, go to God and confess it. So that he can cleanse you of it. So that you can continue to live a life that honors and glorifies him. Amen. Right. Let us pray. Father, we. we what I, as I think about these. Old Testament. Saints or the people of, of Israel, the people of Judah, as I think about them and what Jeremiah is calling them to do. Father, they don't they they didn't have the knowledge of Christ like we have today. They 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 didn't have the truth about the mediator like we have today. And even if when they turn it was because of the Christ that they would understand was prophesied in the scriptures, but they didn't know Christ like we know today. So may we look upon the saints here, the, or the people of God here in, in the Old Testament and appreciate where we are as believers in Christ today that we have the full revelation of, 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 of all that, that you have for your people in Christ, that we, we, we know the, the mediator. We have the truth about him. And there is no reason for us to, to turn and complain and gripe against what you're doing in our lives because we know the Savior. We know that we, we not only know him, he's in us and we're in him. 
we, we're united with him. We, we have the, the we, we are able to comprehend the truth about him in, in a way that is, that is deep and intimate. So, Father, we, we thank you that you have given us the, just the insight to know of the mercy that you have extended to us who know Christ here today. May we never take for granted the life that we have in Christ. And when we are tempted to complain, may we look to the cross. May we look to the cross of Jesus Christ and remember that the, the suffering that Jesus suffered led to his death for our sins. And the least thing we can do is live for him in spite of the circumstances we are experiencing in this life. And we're to do it with the joy that we have of fellowshipping with him. So I thank you, Father. In Christ's name I pray, amen.